morning, I want to begin a series called the Christmas Chronicles and prepare ourselves for the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ that we celebrate the incarnation of God becoming man, which is glorious and wonderful. (laughs) It's an amazing and amazing story that everyone needs to hear, and we're the ones who tell it because we've experienced it and we know it. So this morning, we're going to start the Christmas Chronicles. It's going to chronicle the season of Advent. And in the first week of Advent, the preparation for the birth of Christ, we consider the word hope. Hope is a powerful, powerful word. Hope is essential to the Christian life. Hope is essential to faith. You can't have faith unless you first have hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You've got to have hope. And so hope is essential And what I want to share with you this morning is that hope is an imperishable seed. The hope that God gives you will not fail. It will not perish. It will always last. The hope of God comes from His own being, which is eternal. So His hope, being eternal, is a hope that's imperishable. And you need to cling to that hope. Peter says this about us in 1 Peter 1.23, that we've been born again of an imperishable seed. You've been born of God by an imperishable seed. It will not uh, fade away. It will not fail you. That's the hope of our salvation. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Paul says this in Romans 8, 24, 25. Now, hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what you already see and have, right? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So this hope that we have in God, this hope that God had promised, we're waiting patiently, aren't we? How many of you are waiting patiently for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the, <laughs> the kingdom of God to come? We hope, we hope, we hope. And that power of hope is what's going to touch the lives of the people around us. You can't give up hope, folks. You can't give up hope. And this world has gone crazy. The, the wheel got, went off the axle a long time ago. We're careening out of uh, control. But you've got to maintain the hope. The church has got to be a beacon of hope or everyone will wander away in the darkness. And so God's called us to an imperishable hope. And we see this in the birth of our Lord and Savior. Let's go back to the beginning and let's see that hope springs eternal. It started from an eternal God speaking into the Garden of Eden. And so there was hope of what God had planned and purposed for man. But something happened, didn't it? Adam and Eve put their hope in the false doctrine of an enemy who said, go ahead and eat this fruit. Take it. Be disobedient to God. He's withholding from you. And so they hoped in another one's knowledge. But God came and spoke to them and He gave them a hope. How many of you know that when you fail God, God will come back with restoration and speak a word of hope to you? It happens time and time again throughout Scripture. Where man has failed, where we have failed, where we've uh, fallen to an enemy and where we've been tricked and where we've been deceived, God, with all patience and an imperishable hope, speaks hope into our situation. Look, at if this salvation was performance-based, we'd all be disqualified, wouldn't we? 
But how many of you know that when you failed, God brought hope to your heart and said, we're going to get this right? Where would we be without hope? And so he spoke to them. And he spoke to Adam and Eve, and he said, I'm going to put enmity between your seed, the seed of the woman, and the offspring or the seed of the serpent. And he will bruise the head of the serpent, and the serpent shall bruise his heel. Basically, I I like what the message says. The Message Bible, every now and then I like to read it, it says this, I'm declaring war between you, serpent, and the woman, between your seed or offspring and hers. He's going to crush your head, you'll wound his heel. And so the war begins. There's a war against hope. That war against hope is doubt and fear. And it's going to be hard not to succumb to doubt and fear. It says even the very elect will be deceived, even, may, may be deceived. Even the very elect, their hearts will fail them. But you've got an eternal hope. No matter what happens in the world around you, you've got to maintain your hope. And so there's a war. And the war began where God gave Adam and Eve a hope for all mankind. And said, your offspring's going to crush the doubt and fear of an enemy. And so the war begins. And isn't it amazing? Could you imagine that Cain and Abel, Cain was the firstborn and it means acquired a possession. And so you imagine Adam and Eve are, are holding this baby that came out of Eve. It's like, how did this all happen and work? I mean, it's the first time it ever happened, right? And they get this baby, and they name him Our Possession. And could they have thought about the hope that this was the seed that's going to crush the serpent's head? We'll call him our own prized possession. And then they had another child, Abel. And could you imagine the despair and their hope crushed When they find out, and I don't know how they found out, that Cain actually killed his brother. Killed him. Struck him dead. I believe it had everything to do with with jealousy and anger. And Abel brought the sacrifice that God was pleased with. And God spoke to Cain and said, sin is at your heart's door. You need to do this again. And I believe it had everything to do with the sacrifice that Abel gave, that blood sacrifice, and Cain did not. And this is pure speculation, but could it be that Cain was so fed up with his brother and said, here's your blood sacrifice, and beat his brother to death? Can you imagine Adam and Eve? Did they they find Abel laying? Did they see a lump in the ground where he buried or hid him? They're looking for their son. And the one who killed him was possibly the hope of deliverance for mankind. But what showed up was an enemy. Have you ever been surprised by an enemy's destruction in your life? He's torn things down. The promise and the hope that you've had and it came and brought death. But you've got to remember where sin abounds. Grace superabounds. Grace much more abounds. When you look in the original language, the Greek of what Paul was saying, when he says grace much more abounds, it's a concept of superabounding. So no matter how far death goes into your life, doubt and fear, breaking a hope, grace will super 
abound over it. And so Seth is given to them and born. And so there's a new hope. And through the line of Seth, there's purity. Through the line of Seth, there's a hope of salvation and those who would keep themselves pure. And through the line of Seth, they keep themselves pure, but the enemy comes and sows in. And so the enemy, Satan, comes in and and the angels of Genesis 6 come and commingle and cohabitate to destroy the DNA of mankind. To stop this promised seed that would come. But there's one of the line of Seth, the hope line. And that hope is a man named Noah. Who keeps himself pure. And in the Hebrew, the word for pure means sacrificially pure. He's not tainted, no spot nor wrinkle. He is pure as a sacrifice is pure. And he's the only one pure and clean that hasn't been corrupted by this enemy that has come to destroy the seed of hope. And so there's hope again, but God has to eliminate completely that foreign element that was brought into the human race and completely destroy it in the flood. But there's hope that comes out of destruction. Any of you ever come through a a, a destructive situation? Come on, I know some of you people should be dead in this place. Some of you have come through absolute destruction even of your own body and your own life god protected you in an ark in a in a in a box in a in an anointing of hope that ark was a hope for all of mankind it was the hope that was going to bring a savior to all of mankind even though mankind was reduced to eight God brought a pure seed of hope that was incorruptible. You can't crush what God's Word says is going to happen. I don't care who's got their fingers on the buttons for nukes and this and that. This world will not be destroyed by nuclear war. It's only going to be destroyed when God says it's time for destruction. When Jesus proclaims what will happen to this planet. There's a hope. It's indestructible. And so it's imperishable. And so uh, Noah comes through the flood and an imperishable hope continues on. As you look through the lineage, you'll see that there was a man named Heber and following after the line of Seth and the line of Noah, the line of Shem, Heber comes through. It's where we get the term Hebrew. The sons of Heber are Hebrews. And through Hebrew comes Peleg. And it says, interestingly enough, that during the days of Peleg is when the nations were divided. And some have speculated this is where the Tower of Babel was because the enemy comes in again. After the flood, the enemy comes in again and mankind is seeking to find his way into that spirit realm. I really don't think Babel was about how high a building they could build. It wasn't about a physical structure. It was about a spiritual connection in the dimension of the spirit realm where they were trying to reach into the heavenlies in some form of transmission, again, between that place of the spirit realm and the physical realm. Only God is the intermediary between that realm. But when you go off through the New Age or whatever it means, you invite the enemy, and that's what Babel was all about. And so, hope of salvation to the 
human race was again now being challenged by the enemy. And so it says, in the days of Peleg, the world was divided because what did God do? He confounded the languages. Why? For the hope of a salvation of mankind, for an imperishable hope that isn't going to be changed by whatever men try to do. You know, sometimes God will bring confusion to an enemy. Sometimes God will allow things to go only so far and then he has to put his foot down. But how many of you know he lets it go pretty far? That's his mercy. He did with you and I, didn't he? But hope comes through again. And so through the line of Heber and the Hebrews comes a man called Abram. And God gives Abram a hope. Speaks of a seed The offspring, once again, what was promised, that eternal hope promised in the garden, is a hope that he now speaks to Abraham. And he says, Abraham, you shall have a son, and your seed, that seed, look at the stars. That's how many seeds you'll have, and your seed will bless all the nations. And there's a hope there. An eternal hope cannot be crushed. And God challenges that hope. Sometimes you need your hope challenged to see how strong and fortitude of a hope you have. How many of you know that? How many of you know that when you're challenged, what that does is it causes you to either have a greater resolve or give up? How many of you know that? And many times, if you're not challenged, you won't give your best effort. What I've found is when I feel the Lord calling me to do something, when I pursue something and I go for it, then I get all sorts of challenges against me and I go, oh Jesus, why is this happening? Is it you? Is it the devil? Right? You know what I'm talking about. I've got a witness in the back. You know what I'm talking about. But you need to be challenged because when you get challenged, you then question. And when you question, truth is okay with questions because truth can get fortified. And then I'll never forget when my wife and I were planning to start this church and people said, I had particular people that had opinions about it and would challenge as to whether we were supposed to do this or not. And I was all fired up, knew God spoke to me and I'd go into a meeting and I'd come out with my head hanging low. No, I've been challenged and challenged, and I'd go back. And then something, that hope, would stir up again and say, wait a minute, what about that challenge? What about this? And I'd work it through and go, no, wait a minute, no. No, I, and then I had a resolve because of the challenge to do it even more. And I went back and told them why, and they gave me another challenge. Well, 26 years later, and that hope springs eternal. Amen? God challenged Abraham. God said, Abraham, take your son, the son of promise, that hope that is going to be the hope of all mankind. You take him and you sacrifice him. Come on. What a challenge. It says Abraham woke up early in the morning. I'll tell you why. He couldn't sleep three-day journey to take his son, Isaac. First reference to the word worship is at this point where Abraham tells his servants, Isaac and I are going to worship God. 
We're going to ascribe worth and value to God. And we're going to go there. And he knew, according to the book of Hebrews, that God is a God of resurrection. He knew that even if he were to kill his son, God would raise him up. Why did he know that? God gave him a hope and a promise that the world would be blessed through his son. And he would take that hope to the nth degree of its challenge. Because he knew that he knew that God gave him a hope. And when he was about to strike his son, God said, no, I'll provide myself a sacrifice. Jesus said, John 8, 48, Abraham looked to see my day and saw it and rejoiced. Something happened in the spirit there. Something happened in that realm on that mountain, Moriah. As Abraham recognized and saw the ram in the thicket, he saw that he was to sacrifice his own son. God was going to make a sacrifice. God made the provision. He saw into the realm of the seed that was to come, the hope. And Abraham continued on. And so we know that the hope is going to come through Noah. It's going to come through the Hebrews, the Hebrews. And it's going to come through the children of Abraham. Isaac, Jacob. Jacob has 12 children. After Jacob has 12 children, he's got Judah who's born to him. Judah gets himself into a mess, doesn't he? Judah refuses to allow his his daughter-in-law Tamar. Judah's son dies. Tamar's supposed to have another son, uh, uh, one of Judah's other brothers to take Tamar so that she can have a family name and he doesn't allow it so she dresses up like a prostitute and sleeps with Judah scoundrel it would make the headlines today if you're watching TV right how is it that God can bring a hope even in that kind of a mess How is it that God can bring a hope to a sinner? How is it that God can bring hope even to those who do wrong things? Any church that thinks anybody that is a Christian, anybody that thinks that they're better than someone else and that because of their performance, they're more pleasing to God than someone else, uh, you're missing it by a mile. Our only hope is Jesus Christ, right? Amen. And that's what our hope lies in, is His grace and His mercy. Well, Judah, because of him now bearing a child out of wedlock, and this child is illegitimate, a curse comes on the line of Judah for ten generations. But Moses says this concerning this Cursed, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Genesis 49.10. So, so the promise now is that this hope, this seed that's going to come, is going to come not only through Abraham, but it's going to come through Judah's line, and, and the scepter or the, the power and the authority will not depart. From Judah until Shiloh, or Messiah, the seed comes. And so God even takes a a broken down mess and keeps his hope 
going. How many of you know that God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick? Hallelujah. Thank God for that. And he'll continue to bring hope into our lives, even where you fail. Even where we fail, God is going to bring it. Now, there's still the repercussions that Judah had to inherit. Ten generations. The scepter, the authority, the royalty is supposed to come from the line of Judah, but it can't. It's cursed. But Israel wants a king, don't they? So Israel wants a king. God said, it's not time. Israel wants a king. It's not time. So they get a king. Tall, dark, and handsome. And not so bright. Saul. Here's the king you wanted. But was that the king God wanted? No. They needed to wait one more generation. Because ten generations later came this young man, David. Hope has its time. Patience has its perfection. You have to wait upon the timing of God. David was the tenth generation when the curse upon Judah was lifted. David was that promised seed now to the line of Judah. And David was the king after God's own heart. And so another promise of hope comes through the seed of David that David's seed shall sit upon the throne of Israel and ultimately the kingdom of God. And there's a hope now through the Hebrews, through Abraham, through Judah, now through King David. There's a hope. That hope is eternal. That hope is imperishable. It will happen. But, oh, hey, what about the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah? They mess up royally. Oh, that's a pretty good pun. What happens to these kings? Basically, the tree of Judah, the line of Judah, is just chopped down. You've got Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, these who, who God curses this line. And so the stump of the Judah kings is cut down. But hope springs eternal. And God makes a promise in Isaiah chapter 11. And he says, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Jesse, David's dad, is of the line of Judah, as David is, obviously. But all his descendants after him, they had messed up so badly that God just cut down the lineage of Judah. But what comes out of this cut-down stump of kings? A sprout. A sprout comes out of the stump of Jesse, the, the, the lineage of Jesse. And do you know what a, uh, the Hebrew word for sprout is? I've taught this so often, you know it. Nazar. The Hebrew word for a sprout is nazar. Does that sound familiar to you? There's a town, just a small little town, in Judea. It's called Sprout Town. It's called Nazareth. And out of Sprout Town, Nazareth comes the sprout, the branch of the promised seed. But we've got a problem here. Again, hope 
hope, human failure, doubt, and fear. Yet God restores hope, God restores promise, but failure again. We've got to wait, we've got to wait. God challenges it. Hold on to your, your faith. Finally, Israel is ready to give up because Rome comes and subjugates Israel under its authority and takes away Israel's authority for capital punishment. Takes away their authority to judge and rule themselves. And according to Josephus, the Antiquities of the Jews, book 20, uh, yeah, 20, chapter 9, Josephus says this, when the members of the Sanhedrin found themselves deprived of their right over life and death, a general consternation took possession of them. They covered their heads with sackcloth and ashes, exclaiming, woe unto us, for the scepter has departed from Judah and the Messiah has not come. The Sanhedrin made the declaration The Genesis 49 promise that the scepter would not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes. Well, it's departed. It's been taken from us. Rome took our authority and our kingship over our own people and destroyed it, and it's gone. And they made this declaration, and fear and doubt came, for the promised hope that they had expected did not come, and they were broken and crushed. They said this, Just about 12 to 14 A.D. The year they had declared this, they didn't realize that there was a 12-year-old boy heading to Jerusalem for his bar mitzvah. And when it was finished and his parents left to bring him home, they forgot he was in the temple. And they went back to find him. And young Yeshua was marveling all the Sanhedrin and the teachers. And he said, I must be about my father's business. Shiloh had come. He did come. And he is our hope that springs eternal. Jesus is the hope. And Jesus is Shiloh. And he came even when Israel said it was over. They didn't realize Messiah was in their midst. Hope is in your midst. Hope is here. And I don't care what you're facing, and you may want to give up, and all the signs point to the fact that you can't handle it, that this is never going to happen, and it's never going to come through. But what you don't realize is God had sent the hope already into your life. You just haven't seen it manifest yet. Don't give up. And this is the lineage of Matthew and Luke that we see in their Gospels. One speaks of the lineage of Joseph. The other speaks the lineage of Mary. And so we see that Luke talks about Mary's legal line back to David and Matthew speaks of Joseph's royal line back to David. God says that a virgin shall conceive. Hope is brought, that eternal seed brought into this young Hebrew girl's womb. 
And the angel declared over her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And hope came. And it's a hope eternal. Can you believe that the hope and the seed promised to the woman, promised to Heber, promised to Abraham, promised to David, promised through Isaiah, promised through Israel, had come and promised to all of us a hope that is our salvation, a hope of God that is here. And it belongs to us. And so Peter tells us that you've been born of an imperishable seed. That's the seed, Jesus, who becomes that seed. And by faith in Him, the seed of life, God's hope, is put into your soul. But there's a very interesting point brought by Isaiah 53, verse 10. It says this, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put him to grief when his soul made an offering for guilt. That's what we just partook of in our communion. When we took the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, he's the promised seed. He's the hope of salvation. It's through him that we're redeemed and saved. But there's another verse that keeps going, and it says he was crushed, Grief stricken his soul as he was an offering for guilt. But yet, look at this. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. What does this mean? Jesus died on the cross. Jesus was put to death. Jesus rose from the dead. Hope is risen. But it doesn't end here. It says he shall see his offspring. You're the seed of Abraham. You are the offspring of the promise of hope of Jesus Christ. You're the offspring of Christ himself through his seed in you. And you will prolong his days. Of course, he's eternal. But how is Jesus going to be prolonged in the earth? Through you, his offspring. You've become a seed of hope. You've become the offspring of Jesus. You've become those multitude of stars that Abraham looked to. You've become the one who will crush the serpent's head. As Paul said, soon the God of this world uh, will be crushed. Satan will be crushed under your feet. You're that seed of hope. That's why Peter says, you've been born again with an imperishable seed. You'll not be crushed. You'll not be defeated. You're the offspring that will prolong the ministry and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We're not just biding time till he returns. We're bringing hope to this dying world. We're bringing the presence and the promises of Jesus Christ. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this ministry, mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You're the seed of hope. You're the promise. For you are the expectation, the hope 
of God's own glory or presence. So brothers and sisters, hope is alive today on planet earth because of you. Hope is alive in your neighborhood because of you. Hope is alive where you go to work because you showed up. Hope just showed up. You've got an imperishable hope. I don't care what you do or what you say against Christianity. You can kill the Christian and more will rise up. And we'll continue to speak love and hope and faith to this dying world. You can ridicule us and we'll love you. You can kill us and we'll pray for you. We will bring hope eternal. And we'll bring it all the way back to the garden. As Proverbs says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a what? Tree of life. The desire fulfilled is Jesus in us, the hope of glory. That's my desire fulfilled. And so if I've got him in me, I've got a tree of life in me. And I invite anyone to come to the tree of life. Let me share the hope of Jesus with you. This is a season of hope. This is a season of hope. Never lose hope. Never lose faith. No matter what you've been through. No matter how horrible. No matter how great. There is a hope beyond this earth. It's Jesus Christ. He dwells in us, and we have a reservoir of hope that will not be defeated. Do you agree with that this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning, and let's seek the face of God. Father, we thank you today that we have a hope that is indestructible. Lord God, I thank you for this hope. And Lord Jesus, it's imperishable. It will not perish. It will last in us and through your body. We prolong your work and your ministry on this earth, Lord God, as a hope to all mankind. I pray for an impartation to this body. Lord, as we've taken your bread, we've taken your body. As we've taken the wine, we've taken your blood. We, Lord God, represent you. And so we have the hope of an eternal seed in us and we will give it to everyone we meet in Jesus name hallelujah come on